my audio video is okay for you? Yes, it's perfectly fine. Perfectly I've been fine. battling to find the good lighting in my office. My office has uh, weird lights. I just I just figured that out. Your light is enough for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so shall we go? Yes. Good day, everyone. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Supply Chain Spot Podcast. Today, we'll be going to another exciting and informative journey alongside two special guests. We have two eclectic gentlemen with us who are gracious enough to take time out of their busy schedules to be with us today. My good friend Ahmed Albadar is a well-grounded technocrat with a stellar track record spanning over 20 years in a myriad number of areas, including tactical planning and extrapolation, project management, quality administration, business, investor relation, as well as government policy deliberations. He has been a symbolic and critical part of the optimization process for several partners and beneficiaries and remains steadfast in his commitment to remain pragmatic as a thought leader and industry shaper. Welcome to the podcast, Ahmed Albadar. Thank you. Welcome. We also have Professor Hani Ashkar with us, who has spent over two decades redefining what it means to be a solution provider. He has been able to provide timeless structures and keys that have intrinsically shaped niche sectors, including finance, logistics, education, supply chain management, procurement, and business strategy development. With an immense amount of insight into various sectors, Hani has been able to polish vital skills that make him outstanding in his line of work. He is the current director of operations at KAUST and continues to optimize processes and strengthen initiatives that drive sustainable growth and efficiency. You're very welcome to the broadcast, Professor Hani Ashkar. Thank you very much for the introduction and uh, Hani would be sufficient. It's great to have you both here today to talk about how supply chain structure is innovating currently in Saudi Arabia. You both have unique insights into the world of business and various sectors that supply chain is pertinent. And I'm sure it's about to be a powerful and innovative episode for the listeners. So once again, thanks for being there. I have known Ahmed for a better part of a decade now, and we've had a number of conversations that could be related to our understanding of the need to encourage diversity and inclusion in the marketplace. And considering the way the global economy is blooming because more and more people are connecting with each other and business is becoming more accessible regardless of the geographical location. So can we talk briefly about the globalization of business and the need for diversity in the business environment? Well, uh, thank you very much, Bunam. Uh, it's a great, it's great to be with you uh, in this in this podcast. And uh, I really do welcome my friend Hani, who is a far better uh, expert at logistics uh, than I am. Um, the, the question you the question you just posed is centered around the diverse diversity of businesses and possibly connectivity. When we talk about logistics, we are definitely engaging the concept of bringing things together, 
and um, and kind of changing uh, the uh, the available the unavailable to available. That's what logistics to me is. Uh, it, it if you look at this concept, it has drastically changed uh, the way we live today. Uh, maybe at, at, at the first earliest, uh, you know, uh, human uh, kind of human changes to the logistics where we started to ship things from food to medications to things that, that we have never had, we have never had in, the, in an X region to a Y region. This is what has caused the global community to kind of start the whole consumption and the whole economics have changed due to the uh, logistics. So in, 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 a, in a nutshell, uh, the, the producer, the demand supply formula globally has changed because of logistics and will continue to change because of logistics. Logistics in itself is, is, is how businesses grow, how businesses, how we measure economy uh, in one, one great, you know, great uh, area where we measure economy is by export, by ability to export, by ability to find markets. So that in, in, in terms of uh, economic development and in terms of, and in terms of uh, you know, a demand supply uh, judgment or macroeconomy, the diversification that logistics has brought to the world is amazing because today all goods and products produced anywhere in the world can compete to satisfy a certain set of customers somewhere around the other side of the planet. This has never been the case. It has never been as this simple so that we can always order any good and tool or even service uh, due to that. So obviously logistics in the beginning was, you know, it was, was uh, more or less on the on, on the uh, on transferring uh, goods and 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 uh, and products and maybe produce from one continent to the other. Now, logistics has kind of drastically changed. So we have. In internal small mode logistics, which you know, which kind of change the transport of goods and services in in the metropolitan areas. So people are talking about even drones, drone delivery, and globally we have talked. We're talking about a huge multi-connected tri or even all kinds of modal connectivity systems that have changed the way or the time it takes for a product to come from the manufacturer tens and 20,000 miles away to the consumer. So it has changed the way that consumer behavior is. It has changed the way that manufacturing is. And this is what in, 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 in you know, advanced economy, we look at, at that. We look at an, an industry that is versatile. We look at an industry or a, or a nation or an economy that can easily change its direction based on its logistics capacity, not because of, not, not just, now, not, if you look at Saudi Arabia, I mean, uh, we are probably one of maybe one of the greatest nations when it comes to the agility of global economy of few of oil. Right. Our capacity to deliver oil and oil sub products and petrochemicals to the world has been uncanny. We have we have the Aramco's and Sabic who plan the uh, you know the the downstream service the downstream products and the and the upstream which is oil and it's all of its sub products globally you can imagine that the, um, how much plastics is floating around the universe a huge part of it is, is 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 coming from this region of the world 
So without much said, this is, you know, diversification in my mind is a logistical game. Is a logistical game. It's even on, on even our economy, if we think about it, when you want to diversify the economy of Saudi Arabia internally, we take each region that we have, the north, the south, the east, the west, and try to link them together so that there will be a logistical chain, a logistical value chain, and we're closed and circular economy. This is the concept of circular economy we have now, is that you know one product, one, one output product of an, an area or a region or a factory becomes an input for another. And even a waste of a factory becomes an, inter, an, an input for another. So we are living in, a, in, an, in an age where, you know, where logistics is the, the key. The un, actually, it's one of those services that is being, un, you know, people don't appreciate it, that it's so, it's so well done that it's unappreciated. But today, half of the cost that you pay in your Amazon or whatever is actually related to logistics approximately, give or take. Absolutely. Hani, what do you think? Uh, thank you, Ahmed. It's, uh, that's a wonderful uh, perspective on it. Um, if you can see the uh, the development uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia, industrial uh, supply chain logistics has always been uh, through the bottleneck of logistics. Uh, as the uh, as supply chain tries to grow and develop and be a bit uh, more modernized and so forth you find that uh, it's always been tempered and controlled by the quality of uh, uh, the uh, supply chain uh, logistics specifically part of the supply chain uh, the few niches of high top in manufacturing uh, and production capacities in the kingdom had to define its own supply chain uh, value in, in its entirety to maintain global uh, competi uh, competitiveness, uh, yet now as a as a as the kingdom looking forward, we understand that uh, upgrading uh, and uh, bringing to best practice uh, the the logistics capabilities uh, in the kingdom will not only allow us to be a better supply chain manufacturing uh, nation and economy, but we will be able to sell supply chain as a service on its own and therefore we look to become um, a global logistics hub uh, uh, our geographical location our uh, national capabilities allows us to to do that and therefore uh, now yeah, and we we'll talk uh, we can talk about it a bit later uh, we are uh, revamping our capabilities our policies and procedures to enable that strength to be utilized not only for local use but for global uh, utilization as well that's very insightful and that's very interesting i mean these policies are going to really build a better future in terms of supply chain uh, so ahmed you also pointed out something about drones and drones are attracting attention as a way to solve the world's logistics problem uh, demonstration experiments have already been repeated at major e-commerce companies such as Amazon and the future of drones flying overhead of for product delivery should not be long. Uh, so legislation is being developed at a rapid pace in many countries to utilize drones for logistics. 
So what do you think the uses of drones in e-commerce logistics and its implication might have in the future, whether it is possible for such devices to ease the supply chain process? Yes, I believe uh, it's just it won't be too long before the drones are uh, a way to deliver uh, most of the um, it, it just requires a little bit of regular regulatory process and and, uh, and uh, you know it's like having a road network but without roads uh, it will be a little bit messy uh, but uh, in a while I think the metropolitan movement um, and, and transfer of goods will change to uh, the capacity of uh, you know for those small air vehicles that will will not need will not require a car with you know a v6 or a v8 cylinder to deliver a pizza for 20 dollars that's just not economical at all and uh, you know uh, if you have if you have some other methods to deliver it uh, you know to deliver those products uh, the small products the metropolitan movements uh, to uh, to the inside to the internal location inside the city and metropolitan limits this will change this will change a lot and it will free a lot of capacity it will free road capacity it will free fuel capacity it will free a lot of capacity i think drones will be coming it's just because of most of the problems are regulatory and security based but once uh, the once the you know i think the first starter will will take the hit on themselves uh, to start and and, and 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 you know kind of bang heads with the regulators until they reach uh, a consensus uh it, it it will take off from then and when you think about it that's what happened to the ubers of this world it it, it, it was a legal battle in the beginning on the first few years it was a legal battle and 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 the the the, the disturbance of the normal normal delivery uh, normal taxi structure the disturbance of the revenue model the taxation of ubers and etc those solutions they, they they also need to be and i kind of looked again in the drone uh, delivery and the drone structure some countries now are thinking even of drones for mobility uh, and there is a, there is a personal drone for mobility that can it can take you at least i think 100 mile or so or something like around that limit so uh, so i think uh, very soon uh, technology will change the metropolitan logistics with uh, air vehicles uh, it's just a matter of who comes in first which billionaire will come in and kind of make a great company and start up somewhere in San Francisco as usual and hit the road with those, you know, delivery drones. I thought Amazon will be doing it, but I don't know how far are they are they up. But in some countries, uh, emergency services like the ambulance is actually being uh, being sent, uh, you know, or medication in some countries are being sent, urgent medication, different defibrillators for, for people who can use them. The ones where you need to shock the, the agents with a video that tells you how because of you know it, it's only eight minutes or ten minutes if you don't make it then there is no point in sending an ambulance to pick up a body uh, you'd rather you'd rather send them the defibrillator or the or the or the medication required so a lot is happening on that front technology again is taking the logistics into another another uh, you know height of speed accuracy and even automation because those drones very soon will not leave any place without without reaching up to it very rightly said i mean the, the last the last mile delivery in logistics has been always uh, 
challenging. Uh, challenging. And it, that's where you get into uh, urban, uh, environmental, uh, uh, and other economical uh, variables that comes into it. Uh, drone delivery is utilized today. Uh, the likes of uh, medical uh, supplies and medical requirement in Switzerland, where uh, there, are, there is a company operating there already. And, uh, and it is, yes, uh, a San Francisco, uh, New York based, uh, Boston based uh, company. So you're not off, uh, Ahmed, on that. And it's been uh, under uh, pilot and trials uh, here in Saudi. Uh, GACA is very aware and uh, been dis in discussion on how this regulatory framework uh, happens uh, and what structures can be done. And uh, we are looking to, uh, again, on the globalization of business, how to adopt best practice uh, in the world that fits our requirement, uh, security needs, and so forth. But um, it's, it's a matter of uh, economics and when it becomes uh, appropriate to, to launch this. But uh, it is already on the ground and it's already uh, operational, uh, even in some in a smaller scale, uh, some countries in the Middle East. However, the truly operational approach uh, is to get uh, uh, the last mile delivery through uh, uh, value add centers where multi businesses use the same delivery routes. Uh, and with that, uh, you optimize the use of the vehicle and the road and so forth, and that drops the cost and drops the uh, and improve customer satisfaction uh, greatly. That uh, part of uh, optimization in the supply chain and logistics is still uh, under its uh, supposedly maturity in Saudi Arabia. That's where we're looking for. Uh, new businesses uh, to come in and evolve properly into that uh, because they are fighting the giants that already do this under their own umbrellas. So as the SMEs grow in the in the country, uh, this type of service will have to uh, come in and uh, cover that need. Very, very rightly pointed out by Hani and Ahmed about the uses of drones, but uh, I feel that's uh, the future of drones is still absurd and controversial. It might take a few years, in my opinion, to gain the societal acceptance, seeing thousands of flying objects all over the sky. Many companies and experts, though, are feeling optimistic towards that technology. The technology, uh, the technology is has been vetted and it's it's strong. Yet social acceptance has to come with time. That's that's exactly what I meant when I said, you know, it takes a, a big guy to come in and change and disturb everything. Obviously, all of these things have been tested, but, the, you know, and we know technology works. It has it, it, technology has always kind of moved faster than human, uh, you know, uh, either training capacity to, uh, you know, to uh, to adopt or, as Hani said, the, the social acceptance and other things as well. So it's a matter of a big guy coming in, just saying, you know, that's it. It, it, it needs to be seen operational and successful in uh, certain pilots for people to accept it and move with it. Correct. So I believe platforms that encourage global business should be encouraged. 
because there's an increasing need of a talent in the world today and most times the special talent a process or an organization needs maybe on other side of the world and i believe connecting bright minds will go a long way to solve many of today's emerging global challenges so honey i have observed through your exemplary track record that you have special ability to rapidly grasp seemingly complex operations and somehow simplify them with easy to implement solutions so do you think there's any way that simplification can be applied to the ever cumbersome global economy i mean do you think it takes a collaborative efforts from the personnel involved globally or the system itself is what needs work um usually this type of uh, collaborative work starts by the need of the business which means the business see that there is an opportunity for efficiency better customer satisfaction or a better profitability to be uh, very frank at the end uh, however that goes against uh, and not all the time in support of what government regulations and policies uh, are allowing for and therefore that's the open channel of this discussion that is always open and therefore can these items be put on the table and uh, and discussed ahmed just uh, recently discussed uber uh, that was a, a long discussion that uh, went through many uh, hoops and challenges to get uh, solutions on the ground uh, the utilization of talent across the world um, uh, now we can see after the uh, pandemic uh, that uh, uh, distance working and, uh, and 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 not being in at site is not becoming a, an absolute mandatory for many of the jobs, where organizations like uh, Google have came to the to the position that they're hiring talent uh, from Eastern Europe or India and maintain them wherever they are and utilize their capabilities uh, from, uh, from, from their current locations. Not all the jobs will allow for that, but uh, many creative jobs uh, can allow uh, for such thing. Uh, and that th then we are really moving into a global economy where we're buying uh, services, not only goods, but services across the globe um, this will uh, significantly improve a quality of offering uh, of whatever product or service the organization is looking for uh, however there is economical implications uh, on that so there will be for each organization have to understand and accept how much of uh, of uh, of that they can uh, utilize in their in their uh, in their organization uh since uh, 15 20 years uh, ago uh, local services here in saudi uh, local businesses have utilized uh, online support accounting and uh, account payables and so forth uh overseas and offshore so it's not a new thing but how much of it can you uh, bring into the business and especially into the creative part of it rather than the mundane uh administrative matter that's one thing the other thing is when you start looking at uh, automation ai digitization and use those talents and capacity around the world to improve your business uh wherever you are and that uh really cuts a lot of the uh, administrative requirement 
and improve customer satisfaction and service. Uh, yet it needs to be done with a very good understanding of local need. Uh, when you buy offshore services and goods, that's always a concern that it's not fitting your local customer needs. Thank you so much for that. So strategic partnerships always optimize processes and makes every structure more efficient. Uh, so when Saudi Arabia is concerned, what would you say are some of the ways global partnerships have served in making the supply chain process what it is today in Saudi Arabia? Ahmed, you want to take this? No, or this uh, is yours. That's definitely is. yours. Honey, if, if you look at the progression of supply chain. He's being really humble. He, he's been instrumental in, in uh, you know, designing and uh, actually uh, signing some of these very, very, uh, you know, lucrative and good deals and when it comes to logistics with large, large, large companies in logistics. Thank Go you. ahead, Ali. Thank you very much. If you look at the uh, incremental growth uh, and development of total supply chain in Saudi Arabia, it started with pure... Uh, retail wholesale. Uh, we had to buy goods and services and uh, offer them to, to the market. As we keep growing in our capacity in production, uh, we had to grow our supply chain needs because instead of buying one finished goods, you're buying hundreds of raw materials with all the capacity of production and capabilities. Now we have 30 plus, Ahmed knows uh, better than I, in industrial cities around the kingdom. And that number is growing rapidly. Hence, all of the supply chain knowledge, capabilities, uh, manufacturing knowledge, transportation, logistics, uh, and so forth, had to grow with that significantly. Uh, and now we are not simple uh, assembly lines. We have complex manufacturing capabilities across the board from uh, from medicine to petrochemicals to heavy industry and so forth. That accumulated knowledge did not come uh, out of a vacuum. It had to come with the right partnerships across the globe from uh, bringing in the uh, best-in-class uh, FMCG companies or best-in-class oil and gas uh, uh, talented capabilities or uh, partnering up with even uh, best-in-class uh, uh, defense industry. Uh, so those partners were the cornerstone for developing the entire industry and all of its sector. And, uh, and at the same time, Saudi Arabia worked diligently in developing its own knowledge and capabilities, own talent, uh, through education, expertise, and so forth. So both tracks kept uh, coming together and kept pushing the envelope forward. That's very insightful. Thank you for that, honey. Uh, so so uh, do you think modernization of the supply chain process is a result of utter necessity? Does the system just have to shift along with the global trends in order to maintain and even increase capacity and efficiency? when you consider Saudi Arabia's status and position in global economy. So would you say innovation is inevitable? <laughs> <laughs> I, I answered the last part. Innovation <laughs> is already happening. So it's not inevitable. It's not something that we're waiting for. We are living it today. 
every organization is finding its innovative solutions today and already applying it. So uh, innovation is not inevitable. Innovation is on the ground and it's been utilized on a day to day. In another sense, actually, uh, that you cannot, you cannot, you know, not be with along with the crowd. Logistics, the whole, the whole concept of logistics, in my own, you know, very small uh, kind of knowledge about logistics is is connectivity. So you cannot be connected to a world that you are not similar with. So if you do not have the same standard, the same procedure, the same, I mean, if you, if you think about it from a different perspective, if you do not set up, you know, if you do not design your planes as per the international standards, you cannot land in those planes, you, in airports. You cannot land in the airports. There are airports which will not be enough for your plane to park or to fuel or to etc or to etc then it will be on the wrong side it will be in different side it will be a longer a longer uh, runway or a shorter runway so logistics as, in a nutshell is a connected business like you know like what will happen to the i mean in the way i see it finance and uh, and logistics are very global matters you cannot disconnect them what happens in logistical what happens in logistical problems somewhere across the globe affects the total momentum and the total movement of all the economy and other regions. And the test was the Suez Canal problem. When you that was the huge test. It was, you know, a mini Corona for the logistical world. I think if the if the if the analogy is correct, it was a mini Corona for the logistical world. Just one ship that closed one 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 place and everything went to a halt. So you cannot not just innovate. You cannot just stop. You have to Ready. keep running. Uh, I, thank you, Ahmed. That's a, a perfect analogy, actually. And uh, when you say the word necessity in, in modern, uh, modernizing supply chain, uh, necessity comes in di different forms. Uh, but the vast majority of businesses see necessity from an opportunity or a threat they need to manage against. And most of them look for either a threat of cutting off their supply chain, i.e. Uh, the uh, supply chain, the, the canal, uh, Swiss Canal. So uh, most uh, top organizations have a backup line coming from the east. Uh, that's uh, a known approach uh, for many of the large organizations. SMEs might not be able to do that. But now they've learned that uh, it's a very heavy risk to take. Uh, your your business will be paralyzed. Uh, other necessity where you see opportunities. Now the pandemic has uh, changed uh, how uh, people lived and their buying habits and their living habits. Uh, and for that, many organizations have realized this opportunity and adjusted uh, many of uh, we have uh, here in our university programs related uh, and supporting SMEs specifically. Many have moved from the traditional trade approach to online uh, sites and markets and so forth. And instead of uh, suffering through the pandemic, they actually flourished because they've uh, grown their market from the one street or one district they're supporting to the entire kingdom. But supply chain support behind it 
uh, I can be uh, available online, but how can I get the product to the customer is the uh, hard co uh, question. And that's where the opportunity develop capabilities quickly. And in the past uh, two years, the growth in, in employment of logistics specifically for this need has uh, has been significant to the point that it actually ate up uh, and drove down unemployment rates in Saudi Arabia. That's that's very rightly pointed out by Hani uh, about how the pandemic has actually helped in taking or adding or redefining supply chain in a completely new perspective. Yes. So understanding challenges in a sector is one thing. Being able to understand data that outlines the solution is another. So Hani, please can you let us know in some of the ways industry decision makers can deploy best practice analysis techniques and how that can foster innovations and growth in their operations and company? Uh, the vast majority of uh, top uh, and blue chip companies uh, collate significant amount of data. Uh, and the uh, best practice has been to utilize uh, business intelligence to uh, run through this data and big data mining and find correlations and make decision ma uh, decisions for that. Uh, for example, uh, a chemical company would uh, gather its uh, 10 years of data on how they uh, formulate their uh, compounds and find best approaches to formulate new compounds going forward, i.e. the DAOs and the SABICs of the world. Now, over and above that, instead of using BI, which is human intelligence, to, uh, to do this analysis, since they have this significant amount of data and they have the practice of how to do this analysis, AI became the best tool. And for example, I was having a discussion with our colleagues in Dow, where, uh, where now most of uh, the revision and, uh, and, and uh, development of new uh, chemical compounds are done through AI in an artificial form which expedites the decision making significantly and therefore can uh, they go to they can go to uh, uh, practical trials uh, in a much quicker uh, approach and therefore uh, meet customer demands in a much quicker approach that can be said to customer satisfaction can be said to marketing approach all of those data that has uh, the, the companies have been collecting now they can apply these uh, methods to it and generate better decision making uh, going forward. Very rightly pointed out. I mean, data has become an integral part of everybody, whether it's an organization, whether it's a government, whether it's an individual life. Even a lot of, uh, I don't know, uh, if you have looked at the pattern of buying at Amazon, they post certain products and commodities based on the preferences of the data or the purchasing pattern habits. And that has really made us more and more getting attracted towards these e-commerce platforms as a such. Many government uh, uh, sectors are now uh, looking to develop these algorithms to understand where investment should go, which sector, because they are looking at 
short term, long term returns on uh, investment. And each sector has its own return on investment rates and timelines. Uh, and to generate the expected and uh, aspirational growth we have in, uh, in our economy, uh, best uh, investment decisions. Uh, so even in investment decision, AI is coming into the play uh, to because it can look at historical result uh, uh, data and bring better decisions going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. A lot of banks as well as even the hedge fund investors, they use this data to understand whether to uh, uh, invest in a particular company for their supply chain or not. So, innovation is slow. Ahmed, yeah. do you think bureaucracy is still the most efficient structure for today's ever so dynamic market? Well, no, I think democracy is the best way. <laughs> well, um, when it you definitely one needs to think about right now, there are like six areas or five areas where democratic, you know, uh, democracy of the quality of data has to emerge as a new way of uh, you know in, innovation because you cannot build augmented and, and aggregated knowledge and, and and feed that to an ai machine to munch it so that you can have the amount of intelligent integration and amount of you know of, of auto automation and the amount you know logistics in, in as a whole comes in as a uh, you know um, a behavior of uh, a network uh, logistics in in the way i see it from non, a non-expert point of view it's an it's a network behavior of different very different systems trying to achieve the same things which is basically moving an a from b but an airplane is different than, than than a car different than a train different than a truck different than a ship different than a container different than a bulk container whatever so the the you have you have to have a huge amount of data and then that is obviously democratized data that is free data so that you can feed this data into you know very super great machines that understands the weather understand the seasonal problems seasonal patterns of traffic uh, you know see see uh, you know uh, maritime movement uh, even the even now they're thinking about having you know, uh, mod, more you know, models that uh, uh, look at the geopolitical problems, and 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 add that as a complexity factor into the into the logistical uh, AI machines. So the the, the AI, when it comes to AI, this is an area I'm very familiar with, and I'm very very sure that logistics is benefiting already and will benefit much much further once the data lakes of those huge you know um, uh, huge logistical companies are being democratized and allowed for people and i know your business is one of those businesses that utilizes the data of logistics to build value an amazing value and uh, and and there is a lot of un, untapped potential when it comes to democratized data when people understand what comes into a country and what leaves a country at what time of the year when where and how and what value i mean uh, we've done a small model on healthcare, and the result was amazing we started to understand the type of type of shipments the type of medications the type that comes into the different ports the type of time it takes you know the time of problems that it takes 
uh, you know, in, in, in the border. And then when, you know, when we talk about, for example, um, uh, the temperature sensitive shipments, this is a huge problem in the, in the logistics, a huge problem. Diabe you know, we have people that are that that suffer from diabetes, so, you know, bad diabetic, uh, you know, insulin. That's just because of a small glitch in this huge transport from Denmark all the way to Saudi Arabia. When one guy just doesn't do their job, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of patients could be having a bad insulin or could have even further health you know complications so uh, in my opinion the um, the the employment of uh, artificial intelligence into munching a lot of democratized data by nationwide and uh, you know by policymakers by anybody is a benefit for all the problem is it comes when you cannot quantify which data you should democratize and which data you shouldn't people see this as a competitive matter because then you know how much I import from this and you know how much I import from that and and the bilateral relationship starts to between many countries people start to understand that you know they depend on this country the trade balance becomes exposed there is there is a lot of you know um, uh, sideways that this conversation could go but it will happen and I think very soon even when you introduce the blockchain and and, and the and the uh, you know electronic payments, these things will start to, you know, to build a world of its own. You cannot, you cannot let it go. You can, it will be published. It will be out. Very rightly pointed out. I mean, that's very insightful. So risks are inevitable in complex supply chain networks. And that is something every industry faces as they cannot fully control the outcome of environment and global incidences. So I'd love to hear from both of you how the relevant saudi arabian trade authorities been able to mitigate risks when dealing with third parties suppliers distributors brokers and logistics service providers do you think enough is being done to mitigate the risk of supply chain bottlenecks we'll start with honey i think from um, uh, a governance perspective and policy perspective uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, developed its policies and procedure and governance to allow sufficient business decisions area for each business to manage its own risk appropriately. The, uh, the legislative support is there. Uh, so it becomes then each business owner uh, to make the appropriate decisions that fits their requirement and their businesses. Uh, when you talk about uh, pharmaceutical uh, goods and a cold supply chain, uh, the uh, the slightest variance uh, can ruin uh, entire businesses. And more uh, importantly, uh, many awaiting customers uh, are uh, are affected significantly, and therefore the risk uh, mitigation has to be much more robust uh, against that versus buying steel, uh, which is uh, not harder in the supply chain, but due to global requirement, it's a harder uh, commodity to acquire uh, and costly to move. So the risk factor there is not the movement of the, of, the, of the goods, it's the sourcing of the goods. 
uh, and therefore the country kept uh, high uh, level of regulations uh, uh, against exporting because that puts the country in exposure against uh, availability of sufficient steel for our development requirement. Uh, so I think uh, it's a very situational uh, matter. Each sector, each business owner, and the government uh, bodies that are related to it are putting sufficient uh, regulatory and business decisions to make the that sector uh, resolute against uh, risks. Now, with that being said, there are things that you never be able to foresee. Uh, but if you have the right environment, you can react to it. The pandemic is a very good example. Uh, nobody could foresee something that could, can go for two years. But I believe the reaction of the business world was positive. We, we, we at the beginning, were hit uh, in a, uh, as a challenge, but then turned it around and made it an opportunity that grew a lot of uh, businesses as well. Thank you for that. Ahmed, what are your thoughts on the same? Well, uh, from an economic point or standpoint and from a, you know industry and trade, I think the, uh, this is where the negative matter of being uh, heavily dependent on, on, on goods and services flowing into Saudi comes as a positive side. Uh, we are very, very attuned. Uh, our logistical structure is very attuned to import, and uh, we have seen. You know, we have we have been importing goods and services for a long uh, for a long time, and still is. Uh, this comes with you know huge efforts to localize our our product and services. However, there is still a huge uh, you know amount of goods and services being imported into the country, which means uh, that we have a very very solid knowledge when it comes to shipping things in and shipping things out. Uh, we have very busy ports, we have very busy airports, and we have very busy customs and, uh, you know, custom, our custom agency is, is growing and growing. It, the, the, we are a very different country than those who produce locally and, and consume locally. So this gives us huge strength outside in terms of building the right resilience at our logistical system we've we've been through you know global war you know local wars the and, and still have, we have not been having any i i mean you i don't know if you remember but honey i'm sure honey does uh, you know the gulf war and all of these problems we had in the region with all the restrictions with all the problems we have never had and this is what people do not understand we are still also on a on a war on the south on the south border of saudi arabia and we still have every good and service reach Saudi Arabia on time on different sides of the of, of the sea, like the Red Sea and the and the and the and the Arabian Gulf. We still have no issues. We're delivering our goods and services. Our maritime traffic is brilliant. We really do have a very resilient logistics and uh, and, and air. So and obviously all, air, yeah. all means are open. So, 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 so we are we are very attuned to bringing things in and out. Saudi Arabia is a very big hub, uh, so that's why our logistics has to actually grow. And in the recent, in the most recent, uh, you know, advancement into the into the public sector, the Ministry of Transport has adopted logistics, you know, as 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 a key issue to become the Ministry of Transport and Logistics. Correct. So they are very, very keen uh, to, and we have also a national program as well, you know, to mention that as well, which is which is called Nidlib, and and it's it's focused on logistics. 
I remember in the past when we did the uh, when I after you know just about the time when when, I, when me and Hani were working together, uh, the design of Sidir Industrial City uh, in in you know in in Riyadh, where I we have made sure that the the you know the uh, the rail network passes through and becomes a, a, you know an an up an, an offloading and an onloading to the north and and down back to the Riyadh from the industrial city. We were hoping for at least you know um, dual mode, you know transport logistics, if that's the right word, yeah, honey, sir. I believe so. <laughs> so we were hoping that the, there will be a truck, trucking trucking network and uh, a train network moving in the industrial city and creating all kinds of activity. So I think uh, you know Saudi Arabia is very lucky to know how to manage its its import and export and logistical network. You know, in all in all modes, in all actual modes, whether it's maritime or or air or or, or trucking. I mean, that's very insightful, Ahmed. I mean, having this minute level of information is really very difficult. I mean, if I am looking at uh, Saudi Arabia, we actually go through all the information that's available on the net. But these minute level of information that how it has been a challenging position and how Saudi has been adopting a lot of uh, measures towards creating a balance in the state, in the country, it's, it's really great to know about that. So I appreciate you both so far. We have tackled real issues and concerns, and we've been able to discuss Saudi Arabian supply chain structure at length. Let, uh, let, me, let me add on one thing, Punam. Uh, to the last statement, Hani knows very well, and you probably uh, you know that the Saudi logistics is still has a lot, a long way to go, uh, a huge long way to go, and this is due to the fact of some considerations or some privacy or private matters to saudi arabia that we do uh, you know check every good and say every good that comes to saudi arabia for a lot of things so for the you know for the uh, source of the goods for the nature of the goods so our borders not only are being you know our, our goods and services are not just moving we're moving them safely so we know the exact you know contents and we actually search for, you know, as you know, that all the, uh, you know, um, uh, restricted goods and even the uh, the stuff that's not being allowed to 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 join to come into the, the borders. So we do have a lot of restrictions, and there will be another stage where these restrictions will change, or at least dramatize, you know, get 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 changed into a model where there is a, a faster checking or a huge checking. Then the logistics world will even improve. I, I, I see a huge room for improvement. We are still in the beginning. Absolutely. Uh, so, Ahmed, what do you think is a major milestone that Saudi have made regarding the bid to make their supply and trade structure more responsive and efficient? This 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 one, Hani, should take first. <laughs> uh, the, the two 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 or three. Uh, major initiatives uh, Saudi is uh, working on as we speak. Um, uh, the first one is to uh, make the railway system more complete across the kingdom. And that means uh, goods can move east to west, north to south very freely. Uh, secondly, enable uh, better and stronger uh, shipping lines and ports uh, to receive the needed goods 
straight to uh, our uh, our ports instead of coming through uh, other neighboring countries. Uh, in logistics and supply chain in general, uh, the rule is known. Uh, the least number of touches uh, gives you the best uh, efficiency and service offering. So the the more efficient capacities that you have uh, in, in, in major infrastructure, such as ports, custom clearance, and railway, will enable uh, this internal use and consumption of goods and services. Furthermore, uh, changing and bringing new regulatory structures that allow for uh, potentially free zones, trade zones, and so forth, enable the country to use this uh, excellent uh, location and newly developed infrastructure to not only consume the services internally, for our uh, use in goods and services, but able to be the hub for a regional global uh, logistics uh, services as a logistics hub. Uh, so if we look at it, Saudi Arabia to the Middle East is no more than a, a three hour flight or uh, a few uh, hours by maritime and so forth. And uh, it is the largest economy the largest consuming body uh, out of uh, the uh, Arabian Peninsula, uh, Saudi Arabia is 50% of the uh, consuming capacity. Uh, hence, it's, it is the right structure for us. So all of the development that is happening today uh, enable this, uh, this development both in logistics and as a repercussion supply chain and manufacturing because you are in a better position to deliver that. Thanks. Um, I think also uh, t taking it from where Hani has uh, kind of stopped is uh, is the in my dream and at least in my own uh, uh, again my own little economic dream is to have those uh, you know export processing zone or the EPZs. It was a dream that we've worked we've worked on on it together, and uh, you know uh, with with enough success, we're hoping that in, the, in 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 the next few years there will be more focus on building proper uh, industrial or semi-industrial semi-export processing zone where you have a lot of economic activity and then a huge import and an export right away. So this way is this way you will enhance your ability to you know to export and you enhance your ability to employ and you also the 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 the, uh, the knowledge capacity of the population in terms of processing goods goods in Saudi Arabia becomes bigger and then slowly it becomes manufacturing and you know assembly and manufacturing and we move on forward for a better for a better you know industrial output which will then obviously bring the uh, logistics now I'll, I'll draw your attention to one example we had in the past it's like the, the automotive industry we have had we have had a good you know run in on you know with the automotive uh, uh, industry and I've been a part of the industrial clusters program in Saudi Arabia for a while. The automotive industry works on a huge, you know, concept of having, you know, all goods, all goods flowing into one place in the right time, flowing sometimes even to the assembly line 
and building that car as it goes, you know, as it goes throughout the assembly line. You know, the best, some of the best examples are the, you know, the, the Mini Cooper factory in the UK or others, where you have those, you know, all goods and service, all, sorry, all goods come in in different stages of the assembly line. And in the end, they just are fused in together to make this wonderful car or, or, or wonderful product. So I think very soon we will have, uh, you know, uh, the good, the, the, the will of building much better um, export processing zone and processing zone that supports the industrial zone downside and you know the industrial downside which is basically exporting the product because we do have a transitional stage for all the products in saudi arabia which is basically products prepared for uh, you know prepared for export there is a small problem in in creating that you know export ready product for the manufacturing side we do have one line that makes this they need to make it ready for export they need to make it ready for maritime export or for you know or for air export it's quite different and also some some goods some in some businesses are you know uh, in the region depend on uh, bringing you know one or two or three things together and and processing it and making a small another you know final end product that's also a dream of building an export processing zone. And it's very possible because the lucky enough, most of the ports that we have and airports in Saudi Arabia are surrounded by huge, uh, huge spaces and it's, it's governmental. So just wait and see very soon. These things will come in and become and become export processing areas where we will make huge and, uh, you know, huge advancement in the, in the, in the, in the global, in the global uh, economy. One more item which seems directly related, but I see it extremely directly related, is the uh, recent decision uh, from Saudi Arabia, uh, Ministry of Education, and uh, to allow for uh, external uh, universities and education institution to to open uh, in Saudi. Uh, to me, the uh, the driving force uh, for any industry and supply chain uh, for sure is within it is the talent and manpower capabilities and with having the right knowledge base right education on all levels and i'm not talking university level but also vocational level and so forth will ensure that we can uh, as a as an industry and as a nation deliver this and become a true attractive uh location for companies to come in um and it's already working uh we can see in the past three years the massive jumps in the num uh, in the fdi that uh, the kingdom is bringing in uh, which uh, on its own is a proof that uh, it is a an attractive uh business uh, hub and supply chain is uh, for sure part of that Absolutely. I mean, yes. Uh, so when you rightly pointed out now, universities have coming out of their base locations and having set up educational institutions in a lot of countries so that a lot of brain drain can happen. A lot of people can get well educated and they have the skills that they require to perform it in the best possible way. And, Thank and you so that much. always drive the other local universities to upgrade their offerings and innovate uh, yes. to compete yeah. uh, so uh, that simple decision even though no university has actually showed up yet 
the discussions are open all over the place and plans are already made. But you can see all the universities in the kingdom have already started upgrading their uh, offering uh, to, to catch up with market needs, business needs. Uh, Hani, I think you, you brought on a very important subject as well, the recent decisions. The, the, you know, the recent decisions have also have made a huge, a huge push for multinationals that work, that work, you know, from anywhere in the world with Saudi Arabia, uh, not to operate remotely, but to come to Saudi Arabia and, and operate from within Saudi Arabia. Okay. So you have people moving in, then you have, then you have more consumption, you have more real estate requirement, you have more, you know, more product and services required. The growth plans for you know for huge areas of Saudi Arabia are, are you know we have we have development uh, you know royal commissions for the development of Soda of Asir of Ula of so we are we're building new just almost new cities and uh, in, in, in across across Saudi Arabia and those will require goods and services will require multinational companies to come in and also generate economic activity, also bring in new people, bring in new talents, and just, you know, mobilize the economy more further. I mean, that's 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 the answer to my next question, but I would still like to put this up. So before we wrap up, I have the last question for both of you to take a shot at. So earlier we spoke about the right for need for the right talents and how the world needs to be more inclusive. For the sake of business owners listening, what would be your suggestions about the best approach to building a converging global team? Global team. So, with the growing need for expedient and trustworthy partners, how can a startup retain talent and inspire them to keep doing their best? I, I've had this discussion with. Um various business owners and consultants and the HR specialists and so forth. And the so simple and vague answer is the business owners needs to make what uh, decisions that suits them best, where they can outsource talent and bring it to, uh, to their business from anywhere in the world. And as we talked about uh, earlier, but still maintain connectivity with their local market and needs. So uh, where to define that fine line uh, is, uh, is, is still uh, under test in many organizations. I've seen organizations here uh, in the region, uh, not in Saudi, but in the region that gave what uh, equates to six to nine months uh, uh, working from abroad. Uh, uh, does that work for them? They will test it. In my current organization, we've uh, put a pilot program for the year and, and see the results of that coming up uh, because it's a new approach uh, and it's not, there is no uh, predefined understanding uh, and results that we can draw from and experience that we can draw from. So uh, the best answer I can give right now to startups is uh, make the best decision, try it on for a while, uh, try to bring in the scarce talent that you cannot find locally uh, by other means to strengthen your organization. But uh, and diversity always brings strength to the organization. Uh, yet be, uh, be aware 
that uh, people look at your business as a local business and they have those expectations from the local business. Uh, thank you, Andy. So uh, let me just let me just go, go go back to your question. So your question is how the startups can actually retain their talent in the in, in this business. Am I right? Yes. So how can startups think of coming in Saudi Arabia and they can retain their talent by operating, you know, globally? And what are the what are the instincts they would have when they are planning to come down to Saudi Arabia? Well, and then, then then we have two questions. Uh, what uh, you know? What do you need to operate in Saudi, and how how can you retain your your best talents? Uh, and I think they're related to the to, to to us. They're not very related, but they're very related to the uh, the people outside because they think that once you move to Saudi Arabia, you lose your talent. That's that's the caveat, honey, <laughs> which which we, which I've just discovered. Um, well, I think. Um, <laughs> I remember back 20 years ago, and uh, that's when when me and Hani started working in, in, in Unilever. We were operating out of Dubai, and our company decided that the market is in Saudi Arabia. So they just moved everybody from Dubai to Jeddah, and we started operating. We enlarged our factories, and today we're still the one of the most successful you know, FMCG companies in the region and uh, one of the most profitable as, as, as I hear because I've left. So it all comes down to the fact that if you have a good vision and an appreciation for the Saudi business and the Saudi economy, you will make the right move. And when it comes to the social issues, I think uh, you and I uh, probably are witness to the largest social transformation ever done to a society. I bet there, were, there has never been any social change done over six or seven years of this massiveness. Uh, from two examples, which I don't want to mention now, but I'm sure if you just look up the newspapers, you will see where we have moving. So talents that see Saudi Arabia as, you know, people see Saudi Arabia now as, as, as a hub, as Hani said, for a multitude of things, for, you know, one state-of-the-art projects, unique projects like, you know, Neom, the line, uh, you know, uh, the projects, the, the hectagon. So, 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 so there are projects that are one of a kind. People would love to have them in their CVs, actually. Hani is working on one of them. Kaust is one of the major, you know, one of the, you know, state-of-the-art you know, state universities globally. And it's something to be proud of to have in our country. So uh, I think people need to understand that Saudi Arabia is an attractive uh, country, uh, as opposed to the all the negative vibes you see and hear. We are way further, and we're, and, and and the ship is actually have sailed long ways, and uh, the economy has been has been getting better, leadership, politics, social, you know everything. And you know, just take a look at just take a look at our FDI, as Hani said. That's just one of your one of your biggest indicators. Uh, our FDI, our DDI, uh, our policy changes, our our social changes. Uh, everything is moving in the right direction. Uh, we are we are grow, we are grabbing global attention, leadership, policy, investment in all sense and fronts. So. If we talk about people, how and that's answering the first part of your question. The second part is how to attract talent. I think 
if you as a major investor wants to join in Saudi Arabia and you will be faced by those fears and you know and I don't want to go there I don't want to uh, you know I don't want to go to Saudi Arabia it's this or that the best thing is to come in for a visit or to, to, to look at things I mean we have huge amazing activities running out throughout the year that's one the second thing if you have that challenge I believe I was an entrepreneur myself and I and I, I also you know kind of dissipated some problems that I had with alignment of interests. So if I align my interest with my with my team by, you know, having an equity or by having an equity at the new firm or by a small form of an incentive, this is the this is the way that entrepreneurs, you know, keep their, uh, you know, good talents, regardless of where they're moving, whether they're moving to Saudi or they're being snatched by some other, you know, bigger company. So you, you will always have that risk of losing your good talent. You need to keep them motivated. You need to keep their interest aligned to your your interest by having you know a good incentive scheme, equity shareholding scheme, bonus schemes. All of those tricks that you do in normal world, regardless of whether you're you know mobilizing your business to a country or to another place. And I gave you an example where we have moved a huge number of employees and a huge number of infrastructure from you know from you know uh, the uae to jeddah and that was 20 years ago before any of this was possible so i believe we're a great place for business people should see that and if they don't they should just take another look and uh, and, and maybe come in for a visit and uh, and see what happens as a, as a simple uh, example of the globalization and talent capacity um, saudi arabia can offer Kaust, where I am working right now, uh, we proudly say that we have more than 110 nationalities on campus living and working. So we are just a few countries short of the United Nations. Uh, and this is going from, uh, from Korea all the way to Chile, uh, from Norway all the way down to South Africa. The globe is covered. Uh, and, and we are a university. So... Uh, there is no uh, challenge to bring talent to Saudi Arabia, absolutely. The only uh, question I raise to the business owners, if you rely too much on external talent and not understand that there is a local understanding and local uh, capabilities that has to be taken in consideration. That's very informative. I mean, it's. It's correctly said that, you know, when we actually go in as a company, we have to break down all the other uh, disturbances that we have. And we just still need to focus on making life easier of the people with our business. And that's the motto that we with which we need to enter into any market. And Saudi Arabia has been proving itself and actually proved that it's a best country right now to talk about supply chain, logistics, and everything. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Hani and Ahmed, for willfully sharing wonderful and very potent information with us. I really appreciate you both. And hopefully, this won't be the last time we do this. And we're going to have you back on our show with another topic, talking about supply chain and discussing more on how supply chain is actually innovating or adding colors to the community as a whole. Continue listening to the podcast and keep following us through the month. We have one kind of a supply chain spot customized mug 
that a lucky listener will get to win. So stay tuned. Also, we have many more industry experts and leaders lined up to share the insights on various topics. So don't miss out. You can keep catching our episodes on Spotify, Voink, iTunes, Google Podcast, Alexa, Ola Play, and GeoSound. Till the next episode, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Panam. Thank you, Hani, and see you soon. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. See you soon. Take care.